Hello, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful new year and holidays. I've been away from my recording computer for a while, but audiobook service was uninterrupted because I recorded a chapter in advance, which came out last week. If you are listening to this in January of 2022, if you're listening to it way in the future sometime, well, then you don't care about the interruption at all because you're just continuing on. <sighs> if you want to support the podcast, consider buying a copy of this book, the Raven Throne. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, and Apple, I think. Uh, you can also find the book, all of the books, in paperback. You can email me at podcast at ericedstrom.com. Please do tell me how much you love the podcast to keep me fired up and going on. And uh, you can, of course, leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's continue on with the program. Chapter 6. The Light of Your Attention Kyla didn't want to go to the Warren. There were too many memories of when there, and it wasn't as if she had left anything behind. She didn't want the old fish oil lantern or the piles of rags they'd used for beds. But there was one thing she did want. Ali, ha have you found Startle yet? Yes. The cream-colored ball of animosity had not been in sight the entire way to the Warren. He had come to a truce with Kyla, but that wasn't going to make them friends. Even now, the bond was like a prickle of heat on the back of Kyla's neck. Well, where is he? No answer. There likely wouldn't be one. Kyla was tired and her feet were numb from the long run along the roofways and then the long cut through the sewers into Cheapskate. She was tempted to stay here for the night, but she knew she wouldn't sleep. The Warren was haunted now by the ghosts in her heart. First was Nax, a void that left her bereft, as if her own name had been taken from her. The second was Wen, her brother and lifelong companion, her teacher. The den was no place for her, but more than that, it was farther from her goal. The objective of her visit a black-and-white-splotched cat named Startle, nosed through the carpet door that had served as Kyla's only barrier from the outside world for the better part of a year. She knelt and held out a bit of dried beef. The cat stalked close, posture low and wary. But he knew Kyla, and after only a moment's hesitation, accepted both the treat and a chin-scratch. "'I'm not coming back here, Startle,' she said. It felt a bit odd to be talking to this cat— she realized that she had never spoken aloud to any of the others prior to this, but she doubted Startle could understand her spoken words the way Ollie could understand her scent ones. The cat rubbed against her leg and began to make the contented buzzing noise. The sound brought a pain to Kyla's throat, and she flashed on memories of sleeping in this tiny room, knacks atop her chest and vibrating with this same sound. Startle will not come with us. He's too stupid to understand the advantages of the Atlin barn. Ollie sent an irritated skin-crawl sensation, which is exactly what I told you would happen. The truce was thin indeed. She and Ollie agreed on nothing except that Nax had to be found and her bond to Kyla restored. Let him know where... He knows exactly where all his littermates are. I told you this over and... Tell him again. Tell him he's welcome. The concept confused Ollie, 
But Kyla felt certain that telling Startle he was welcome would make a difference, despite Ollie's assumption that a cat could go wherever it pleased regardless of welcome. I told him, let's go. Kyla stroked Startle from ears to tail, then made for her secret entrance of loose planks. A short climb later and she was atop the warren. The slums of Cheapskate stretched upslope to her left. Beyond it stood the ring wall, the outer limit of the city of Starside. The combined smoke and reek of rotten fish surrounding the warren smelled like home. But it was no longer her home. She didn't truly have one. She trotted along the roofline, leaping up or down when the elevation of the cobbled-together repairs and dormers required. And when she finally dropped to the roofs of the ramshackle hovels that made up Cheapskate, Ollie was there. He loped alongside her, sending irritated emotional jabs every now and then. I didn't ask for this bond, you know, she sent to him. A long silence followed, absent all his rude sendings of fur being rubbed headwise and tails being yanked. Finally, he sent, When asked for it. He said that I needed to look after you. An ache formed in her throat. She swallowed it. What she should feel was anger. How dare Wen saddle her with his ornery cat? Did he truly think she was so hapless she required this cream-colored tangle ball to keep an eye on her? She couldn't raise much ire in the end. She had loved Wen, and it was clear he had loved her. And though Ollie seemed to despise her, his regard for Wen's wishes were touching. Maybe there was more to Ollie than Thorns. You're too slow, Ollie sent. He darted ahead and disappeared. Instead of giving chase, Carla slowed to a stop. A figure in black had appeared in front of her, the swirling tails of his cloak settling around black trousers and slim shoes that reminded Kyla of Yika's. His face spoke of strength, but the faint lines around his eyes did not necessarily indicate age. He could have been twenty or forty. He wore a sword at his side. You are Kyla Sai, he said. You must come with me. You have oaths to speak. Are you trezzed or are you just daft? I'll be following you to my granny's wedding before I'll let you drag me off to the old man. He had to be one of the Hargus creatures, a mercenary or bounty hunter. Let's dispense with the cheap's talk, please. You have never been the waif you claim to be. He stepped forward, no threat explicit in his posture, but neither was he relaxed. He was tightly wound like a clockmaker's coil ready to unleash violence in an instant. Not a waif? That's interesting, she said. My belly would argue against that, as empty as it's been these past few years. The atlan eggs you steal from the boy's barn keeps your appetite sated, and I'm sure the sensuals will feed you if you miss a meal. He stopped a pace away, hands loose at his sides, but one near enough the hilt of his blade but you have new responsibilities to bear, and with them comes advantages of coin. Father had warned Kyla of hucksters and their promises of wealth. Strangers offering money with one hand were picking your pocket with the other. Kyla knew many in Cheapskate whose entire living depended on swindling the passengers stepping off of ships. She had laughed along with them as the wide-eyed marks walked off with a vial of seawater that was sure to cure whatever ailed them so she would be a Radiant's daughter in a crinoline before she would fall for this fool's tricks. She made to step around him. You need to work on your banter, my friend. You'll pill for no sap's coin with that dung-tongued hooey. 
the man didn't move to intercept her, but as she passed him, a chill swept from her crown to her toes. She gave him a second look, but he was gone. She spun, searching for the ledge he must have dropped from, but the roofs here were all joined. She stomped in search of a hidden trap door, but only provoked the angry residents below into shouting theories about her low parentage. The temptation to remove her queller was enough to make Kyla grip the ring, but Ollie sent a warning surge of anger at her. Stupid cat, she mumbled. She hated when Ollie was right. The man's appearance and his whole bucket of bilge water was a trap. But why had he just vanished? He looked deadly, and Kyla had no doubt he could have given her a tooth scraper of a fight. She rubbed her arms, still tingling with the chill of his disappearance. There may have been something Mercasine afoot. She wondered if the man was even a man. In stories, Domain could take on any form they wanted if they were given permission to do so. Perhaps Highest Benel had warned Marlowe that she knew his schemes. If he was sending people after her, then she would put a quick stop to it. How, exactly, she didn't know. But not knowing how to do something had never factored into her decisions in the past. And she was still alive. Ollie went back to the Atlan barn, which suited Kyla just fine. The more distance between them, the fewer unwelcome opinions she received. The jewelry shop stood on a stretch of the Street of Sorrow's frontage where the wealthier merchants shopped and did their business. The store was closed, the front windows papered over to obstruct curious eyes. She noticed a mark above the front door, a vague nick in the wood frame. Father had taught her to never steal from such a place, for it was protected by the owls. Kyla had robbed numerous marks on the street, but she and Wynne had never resorted to robbing homes or stores. That was the purview of the owls, and nobody who expected to live long crossed them, or so the story went. Kyla had come to believe the owls were a myth, a phony organization of villains created by the terracide merchants themselves to keep real thieves away. Kyla had once asked her friend and barkeep, Crit Sanglo, about the owls. He had merely shaken his head and whistled, I'm not stepping off of that yard arm, dearie. It's a black and roiling sea ye be sailing. Whether they were real or not, Kyla and Wen had always kept an eye out for the scratch dot scratch of their sign. She proceeded to the rear of the shop. This time the back door was locked. So, Marlowe knew she would be coming. She pulled her canvas roll of lockpicking tools from her pocket. Father had made these long ago. Wen had held on to them. Now, Kyla had them. Aside from Kane, it was the only thing of her father's she possessed. She undid the strap and unrolled the canvas. Nestled into individual pockets were an array of slim metal probes and hooks, some flat-headed, some pointed, and of various thicknesses. Kyla had practiced with them under Wen's tutelage. The idea had been to knock over a radiance greathouse and make off with some gold platters or forks or jewels. Perhaps that had been a childish fantasy, but it had motivated Kyla to learn the workings of locks. They were not that difficult once one understood the way tumblers moved. Kyla was tempted again to remove her queller. When you could see the metal bits, you could open a lock just as easily as you could turn a key. But the Mercus vision wasn't necessary for a lock this simple. The lock released with a satisfying click. Fifteen minutes later, she walked into the whale oil glow of Marlowe's camp in the weird chamber of nothingness. 
The mysterious columns stood all around, each carved with a different symbol. The Domainic stones still lay where they'd been when she'd left with Flamishdeck. Marlow was there, too. He sat on the floor, leaning against a handcart full of supplies. He was puffing on a long-stemmed pipe, the smoke rising around his head like a ghostly gray wreath. He pursed his lips around the stem when he saw her. I was expecting you earlier. Kyla drew Kane and began to toss it and catch it by the hilt. I thought we were aimed toward the same thing, she said. We both want the Hargath to lose Nax. We both want him dead. But Highest Benel informed me today that you knew the domain's price for Nax would be so ridiculously high I'd never be able to pay it. Did you think I would just accept being swindled? Don't be silly, Kylasai. I know you will never give I know you will never give up, but the price is the price. Perhaps you'd be better off gathering dragon scales than sneaking into Donesmaster's bedchambers. The temptation to stab him was difficult to resist, but she had stabbed him once before, and it hadn't done more than nick him. He was protected by some mercosine trick that made his flesh like stone. She sheathed Cain and removed her queller. The metals around her blazed with mercosine glow. The column symbols, the brass of the lantern, and the iron in Marlowe's blood. The man lowered his pipe and started to stand. Kyla focused on the gold ring he wore on one pinky. She sought it with all her senses, focused on its tone, its smoothness. Her fingers pinched, as if stroking the contours of the outer edges. She wanted to yank it from his fingers, but the more she sought to grip it, the less solidity she felt beneath her fingertips. Instead, she did her old trick of adding to the glow. This was heat. Are you unwell? Marlow asked. Your face looks... He yelped and shook his hand. Hissing and hopping, he plucked the ring from his finger and dropped it onto the tiles of the cavern. The ring bounced with a clink, then rolled to rest at Kyla's feet. It lay there in front of her toes, glowing red as a fire ember. She stopped adding to its glow, and the heat faded. She cocked an eyebrow at Marlow. I'm showing restraint. He tapped the dottle from his pipe. And I appreciate it, but this demonstration was quite unnecessary, no matter how marvelous. He put his pinky in his mouth and glowered. That hurt. Did you send a man in black to find me in Cheapskate? No. He said I had to take oaths. He also hinted that there was money to be had. Marlow began to add tobacco to his pipe. I was wondering when they'd step into the game, that they'd allow you and your brother such freedom for so long is rather unusual. What are you talking about? Kyla was sick of his little mysteries. Why couldn't the man just speak direct and save everyone some time? He was almost as bad as the voluptuary on that count. You are a shadline, obviously, or that is, you will be one. That dagger is the unmistakable look of a shadline blade and you are already so moved by the force of destiny. How could you be anything but a Shadline? He laughed and shook his head. She drew Cain again and held it to the light of the lantern. Everyone says this blade is stolen. Maybe so, but nobody ever accused my father of being in a sword cult. Does it need sharpening? Does it rust? Does blood remain on the blade when it cuts? The answer to all these was no. But still... Father had owned the blade since she could remember. A headache came over her. So blinding, she doubled over and pressed her fists to the side of her head. 
You are not well. Please sit. I will prepare some tea. Carla didn't have much choice. The pain didn't relent. She leaned against the cart. We could save time if you would boil this water. Marlow held up a small kettle. She couldn't bear to look at the stove flame, much less use the mercus to heat water, even if she knew how. She shook her head and covered her eyes. No? Marlow put the kettle on a small whale oil stove. The smell of the steeping tea eventually reminded her to put on her queller. The moment she did, the pain subsided. The oddest thing. Your father was an interesting man, Marlow said. There was an invitation in this statement, a question he wanted Carla to answer. The voluptuary had tried the same thing, but Carla wasn't going to tell them a kill damn thing about her father. Those were her memories, and they had nothing to do with anyone else. But Marlowe wouldn't let it go. He handed her a dainty porcelain cup and took a seat next to her. The black cloaks keep close tabs on every shadline weapon. He reached to flick the black blade in her hand, making a dull ringing that was quickly swallowed up by the chamber around them. If I had to wager, Cain here is new to them. My father had it for years and went after him for several more. I didn't say newly forged. He took a sip of tea. I meant that this is newly discovered. The blade itself is at least two thousand years old, else it would not be a shadline blade. That it was in the hands of men all that time and not known to the black cloaks is beyond Till's ken. That is, it isn't possible. His eyes were serious, brow furrowed. So either they allowed it to remain free in the world, or they did not catch wind of it until recently. And how would that be possible? Perhaps other forces concealed its existence? He took another sip and sighed. That is good tea for being mere hard black. Doesn't even need honey. Kyla's head had cleared enough that she could drink her tea. The lantern light still seemed too bright, but with the queller on, at least she could bear to have her eyes open. Whether it's a Shadline or Smith Frex cast-off is no care of mine. The Black Cloaks can recite all the secret oaths they want and leave me out of it. This blade is mine. It stabs and it cuts and that's all I need or want from it. Marlowe reached to pour more tea from his kettle. But that's not all it will want from you. I'm no lore master, but like your bond with the cat, the blade has bonded to you. But for what purpose, I know not, but it won't long remain a secret. He nudged her with his elbow. If you would learn more, go with the man next time he appears. The black cloaks would be powerful allies. Or powerful foes. Kylas smirked. When I have my thousand dragon scales and can spare the time, maybe I will. She wondered if she would. The weird notion that perhaps her blade had an ancient, mysterious origin made her head flare with pain again. As did the fleeting thought that her father might have known what the blade was. That made her wonder if he'd aspired to become part of the Black Cloaks. Marlowe turned to look at her, seeking eye contact she did not want to give. Not wanting to appear weak, she met his gaze. He looked sympathetic. That was his way of charming her into trusting him. Well, it wouldn't work. Why don't you go get the scales you need, Miss Sai? What, from the Eerie? You think I should just climb up there and collect a sack full of them? He didn't smile, or even so much as flash an eyebrow. Yes. I've never even been to the Citadel. I'm sure there are a bunch of gates and guards between me and it. 
and in case you weren't aware, my face is known to the watch. That is no matter. I will take you there. And won't the Hargath have you killed the moment you step foot outside? Not necessarily. He would use me for my talents before making me a permanent part of the wind. But his methods are unpleasant. I'm aware. He made a pained laugh. Indeed. Imagine growing up with him. She couldn't imagine such a thing, and she didn't want to. Why don't you skip to the part where I say no? Because you will say yes, my dear. I have it all planned. But for it to work, you must loan me your queller. He paused while Kyla uttered a long series of kills tongue curses. When she ran out of steam, he continued, I must remain quelled to avoid being discovered. But you, Kyla, do not require such protection. The Hargith would agree. He would love for me to go about with a naked mind. Marla retrieved his pipe and began to tamp in fresh leaf. Always making assumptions. But you, my dear, have such facility with the Marcus that you may learn a skill I have only dreamed of. You can surely mask your own power, and I will teach you. He seemed quite proud of his generosity, puffing away as he put a flash taper to the bowl of his pipe. This offer was at least as suspicious as the cloaked man telling her she had oaths to take. Knowing you, there's more in it for you than me. What's the trick? No trick. You keep mistaking my errors of judgment for outright duplicity. Do not forget, I was hoping to get you out of Starside when we met with Benel the first time. She remembered. They had conspired to send her to the garden and put her under the leering eyes of the Dunce-Masters there. Hardly a favor. You will never return my queller to me, will you? He merely smiled at her. I would beg your indulgence to keep it for a while, at least until this misunderstanding with my brother can be resolved. He meant until his brother was dead. Kyla had every intention of making that happen soon. But without the queller, it seemed more likely the Hargath would find her, drain her Mercosine power, and leave her body tossed into the garbage-burning room down the hall from his crypt. If Marlowe could truly teach her the skill of masking her own power, then perhaps it would work. But that didn't solve the greater issue of how she would get to the Eyrie. Even if I got to the Eyrie without drawing the Hargath's notice, it's high up on the mountainside. That is not a matter of climbing a rain gutter to a roof— It'll be cold up there, and surely her enlightened has her fell guards posted every few feet. Marlowe puffed, making the herb in his pipe crackle and glow. He blew a great gout of smoke into the air. How many men have asked to court you? I have little time for making eyes at boys. Besides, she said, I'm not really the type to draw that sort of attention. Believe me, young lady, you have everything a young man might desire save some padding on your bones. You are well-formed, of expressive brow, have a charming elfish quality in your chin and nose. You have the most remarkable eyes I have seen since losing my dear Spinhetta. The reason young men do not approach you is twofold. First, they fear you will stab them, either with your sharp tongue or your shadline blade. Second, they assume the fortifications around your heart are too strong, and so they do not approach. Do not make the same mistake about going for the airy that lads make about your affections. Each goal can be won. 
by a determined heart. Indignation warred with embarrassment in Kyla's gut. She wanted to smack the grinning don'ts master. One did not speak of such things, especially an older man to a younger woman. Who was he to offer such counsel? Marlowe didn't waver under her glare. Do not point the light of your attention too much on my advice about love. I meant to turn your thoughts to the airy. I assure you, the fell guard counts on assumptions to keep intruders away. My former source for scales returned there many times. You know you will attempt it, for what other choice do you have? It came back to Nax, of course. Kyla had to satisfy the domain's terms or she would never regain her beloved one or the bond. Can you teach me to ignore the mountain chill as well as how to mask my mind from the Hargath? That I cannot, though such skills were written of in tomes long since declared wrong. In time you may gain insights for how to do just that. But I shall fetch foul-weather gear to protect you during your climb, and I shall procure a satchel that you might easily return with the booty you steal. He held out his hand. She looked at it. Now it came to a decision. She either trusted this man to do as he promised, or she attempted to reach the airy alone. I've seen Highest Benel's dragon scales, she said. They were each the size of a dinner plate. A thousand of them will weigh as least as much as the same number of gold skillets. Even if I gather them, the climb down from the airy will be impossible. Did Benel allow you to handle one of them? When she didn't answer, he nodded knowingly. I thought not. Then you did not have a chance to discover that you were looking at eight of them, all nested together. Allow me to assure you that each scale is as light as a tuft of Atlan down. For the dragon to fly, it must carry as little weight as possible. Even the beast's bones are rumored to be riddled with holes, like a sea sponge. Kyla was certain there were lies in his words, but she didn't know anything true about dragons. Until this very day, she had assumed that the shadlines were pure fancy. How many stabs of this blade can your body deflect? She asked, holding up Cain. He swallowed, revealing what she had suspected. The limits of his invulnerability were nearly reached already. Good, then know this. Should you fail to do as you have promised, I will find you and we will count the stabs together. Then we'll both know for certain. She pulled off her queller and handed it to him. He made a little flourish with his hands, as if honoring a radiant. You shall never have to count stabs in my presence, Kylasai. This I swear. There was no telling with this man. He always spoke with a mix of sincerity and sarcasm. Whatever his true intention, he was clearly eager to get on with it. He stood, brushed off his robes, and gathered several small items into a sailcloth bag. I shall return anon. I'm going to eat all your food while you're gone. His grin wavered, and Kyla took pleasure in it, knowing he had incurred great expense bringing these supplies here. He had obviously not left the Durslin wheel, and he had not asked any of his hired goons to bring it. No, he had summoned a domain of some lesser class to bring it all to him. But that had surely cost him well more than the supplies would fetch in Starside. Be my guest, he said re-establishing his smile. And do remember my hospitality when you come to hold the fate of the world in your hands. 
With that, he tramped into darkness. It was only long after that Kyla realized he had not taken the whale oil lantern with him. Had that been out of consideration for her? Or out of fear of her?